Welcome everyone to Seed Your Success Live. So I think we can all say at this point in time, many are becoming aware of both the freedom and this charged resistance to the reasons we've become disconnected versions of ourselves to meet the status quo of the expectations of the environment that we've lived in and currently live in. And I can also say that in this moment in time, we have everything we need to take back ownership of stewarding and how we can navigate the new world that is being rebuilt by many, including my beautiful guest, Annie, today. So today we're gonna to explore the dimensions of our rich financial future and how it is quantum and that something greater awaits us. Now, our relationship to self, to others, our purpose, and wealth come from the longing that resonates with the divine forces bringing new potentials into existence. And it's key to rethink about that, what longing actually opens up for us. It's really a two-way love affair. And that something is longing for you and through you, and that is where the immense power and your destiny lies. So it's time, my friend, it's beyond time that the old power structures and the divisiveness, it, that it's critical to start release these victim consciousness and to trust in the bright future that is to come. And to start that conversation, I couldn't be any more excited to invite my new friend, Annie, who I met through um, Quantum Resources, Quantum Stellar Initiative, Telegram, and uh, we get to hang out often, but to hear, we're gonna have a private conversation. And so with that being said, I'm gonna do a quick intro and then invite you into the conversation. So Annie is a quantum energy healer, master facilitator of family and medical constellations, a speaker and an author. Annie originally built the foundation of her healing work as a family constellation practitioner, which remedies disordinances within the familia background, which has the power to then correct the genetic imbalances in the physical body and our emotional stress responses and our judgments. Lastly, Annie is the author of a series of children's literature books to support the cultivation of leadership. And on her third book on self-love with her friend, Ashley Lee. I'm gonna leave all the show notes where you can find her and the special gift that she has to offer you at the end. But with no further ado, Miss Annie, welcome to the Seed Your Success podcast. Thank you so much. What a pleasure to be here. And we're gonna talk about all of our favorite subjects. Yeah, I'm so excited, so excited. And so I kind of want to um, jump right in because I wanna to get to the meat because you have so much to offer. And, you know, when I first started listening to you, I was on Telegram and I started to stream through your content. And you're much like me, you're very poetic in how you uh, so gracefully give out information. And it just, there's a resonance to it that changed right away. And, and I, I saved the whole profile, I saved the message and I emailed it to myself. And then I got to learn about the gifts and the gifts that you have. And I wanted to start off with a question about, you know, many are feeling it, and we talked about it, this hypervigilant state in the body and in the mind, where we either feel shut down or we feel just kind of chaotic and we can't really put our finger on it. So I wanted to start off about talking about your, your framing around the problems and problem solving from either love or fear, because that is a choice that we all have right now in the current state and the coming months to come. And the way I think about it is, you know, a problem solving orientation, which we're always going to see a problem to solve, or the creator orientation, which kind of lets go of that egoic mind. And I wanted to just hand it over to you, my friend, and really kind of share your experience and, and what you mean by choosing from love versus fear. Thank you. And what a really big topic that is, because if we were to just start by looking around the room that we are in and take note of the decisions that we made, why did I choose that light fixture? Why did I choose that particular fabric? Why did I choose that piece of furniture? 
we may discover that we had decisions going on that were fear-based based in lack consciousness, like, well, I bought that because it was the cheaper model. I bought that because it was all I could afford at the time, right? These are scarcity thoughts that are rooted in what I call lack consciousness. So as we look around, we could have like um, other challenges. Well, um, I have a fear of debt, so I didn't want to buy too big of a place or rent too large of a place. And all of these decisions that we make going through life are based on fears that we have. And when we make those decisions, we're actually working from these unconscious thoughts that are driving us. And those solutions don't last very long and they certainly do not create additional peace in our life. And they actually can become uh, the source of conflict. So how do we even get to that place is a really good starting point. And I think that you know, we're raised in a world that is very dualistic and me-centric. And in really, truly, I mean, we're in oneness with our mothers in the womb. And then we're born and we may or may not notice the difference that we're physically separated now. But as soon as, you know, as a little kid, you start reaching for that cookie. And, and mom says, oh, do you want this? And would you like me to give it to you? You know, and it's like, okay, here you go. And now you are separate from me. And we go through these little learning stages where eventually it's like, okay, well, that's mine and that's yours. And we start creating more and more of this separation as we grow up and we become even more centric with, I want what I want, when I want it, with who I want it, where I want it. And, and then when we don't get our needs met for what we want, we get triggered. And it's this fear-based thinking that's in our unconscious mind that is saying, oh, no, I didn't get what I wanted. Do I not matter? Do I not belong to the group? Do they not care about me? And we have like all these other fears that are piled on top of the original fear and so we have to go through those layers systematically and start uprooting the original fears so that it's kind of like finding the Jenga key, you know, and the whole tower of fears just collapses. So when we look at how do we get to that place of creating decisions based in love, it requires work because mm -hmm. now we're moving out of duality and more into oneness. Oneness with ourselves, for starters, most definitely, where we don't feel like our body, our physical body is doing something to us. When we start to heal that separation with our body, we realize, oh, my thoughts are producing stress, which is affecting my body, and I'm creating that headache. It's not my body doing it to me. It was my thoughts. Or the emotions that we never you know, breathe it out or gave a name to. And then we feel the exhaustion and we, the loss of energy, right? So we have to become energy masters and practice self-love so that we're making decisions from love because we've been practicing self-love. I love that so much. And you kind of, I, I love where you started in the womb, right? And as clinical hypnotherapists, you know, even just last night, I, had a conversation with a client of, you know, every regression always goes back to a time in childhood. But even in a regressive session, I always remind that person and their higher mind that this actually started prior to the womb, right? And I often share this, um, my mom is my hero, but there was a point in time in my 30s, I, I was like, you know, I kind of have a beef with the personal development industry because it kind of made me feel like there's always something wrong with me. So there's that element. Like I had to stop being marketed to based on, you know, my perceived weaknesses. But then there's the other piece where I learned through consciousness that, oh, I'm always trying to dig something up. But that trauma, it's not my trauma this is starting to feel like it's not my trauma. And so I say that my mom is my hero because I had a direct, unique relationship to my mother 
And I took it on myself to then also heal her trauma, which maybe you can tie in a little bit about that because we feel so much guilt and shame around decisions we make or didn't make based on our individuation process of trying to peel away from the family organism and your rich background and family constellation. When I say that people don't really quite understand that, but there's so much power in even what you shared um, about, you know, victim consciousness and whatnot and how that's a lineage beyond lineages before we're even born. Can you share a little bit about your background with that? Uh, absolutely. And I want to speak to your empathicness because this is opening up for everyone now. And so um, you may have noticed that your hearing is more telepathic, you're more clairaudient. Maybe you're seeing someone's face that you've never met before while you're talking to them on the phone. And so as we're moving into this ascension process of reclaiming who we truly already are, right? We're just, we're ascended masters in a descended experience, which is a lower density. And we're just trying to recover the true nature of who we are, which is love, which is the highest frequency, right? So right now we're in these 3D bodies. They're a little bit dense. So what? We have more power in these bodies than anyone recognizes. And as an empathic person, and we're all empathic, it's just whether or not we've chosen to listen to the signals, what we're receiving. So when you spoke about being in the womb and, and being connected to your mom and that connection never really broke um, and she's your hero, what you're referring to is that you as an empathic person have chosen to be in oneness and in alignment with her. And so oftentimes when we're a highly sensitive person and I invite everyone right now, please take note, are you a highly sensitive person and give yourself an acknowledgement for all the ways that you do perceive energy, because that is the first step to offering comfort and self-love to your whole physicality, then your emotions and, and your mental mind, and then your spiritual needs. And when we look at the ways in which we are empathic with ourselves, with others that we're close to, um, people are waking up now to the fact that they're picking up other people's symptoms. They're acting like physical surrogates. They are finding that uh, their genetics are changing. They're feeling the plants, the animals. They're hearing the sun crackle in their ear. And these are all very highly sensitive states that we're entering into. So now more than ever, we do need to practice self-love and offer comfort to our body and say, it's okay. I am advancing on my journey. I am changing with the times. I'm opening to new states and it's marvelous and wonderful. So all of what I'm speaking of actually does tie into this common thread that we all share inside a family. And as a family constellation facilitator, I've come to understand after you know, doing this work for 15 years that we have the energetic imprint on the quantum level of all of the ancestors' thoughts and your predecessors, your parents, your grandparents, and your descendants embody all the thoughts that uh, you and your partner and all the ones who came before you, it's all in the DNA. It's in there as an energetic imprint. So as you choose to come from love and heal your fears, when you release a fear, and I mean thoroughly release it with all the judgments, all the emotions, and the you know resulting discord from that fear, you actually change your genetics. You improve your overall DNA when you release fear. Now, I have a funny quip that I like to offer people when they say, oh, but Annie, I don't have fear. I'm like, I'm not a victim. Stop it. I'm like the most courageous, powerless, I mean, powerful person on the planet. I don't let anything bother me. And I'm like, okay, here's a little test. When you're driving down the road and someone in front of you is going too slow, when you 
finally get a chance to pass them, do you have to look over and see who victimized your time? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, you're running late and you really want that coffee and you get into Starbucks and there's 45 people in line ahead of you. And you go, oh, I don't get to have my needs met. So you turn around and you walk out and then you're, you know, not feeling so excited about your morning. You're pissed. <laughs> so, so we have these moments and, and just as a testament to how much fear we have in our thinking, Ashley Lee, my beautiful, gorgeous colleague who I call an ascended master. She truly is an amazing soul. She and I have a database that has almost 6,000 fear-based thoughts. And these are, oh my gosh, they're so mundane and then they're so complex. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a whole spectrum of, spectrum of them. But, it, you know, at, at, at a spiritual level, it might be, I don't have a right to have needs consciousness. I don't have a right to exist consciousness. I don't have a right to belong consciousness. I don't have a right to advocate for myself. I don't get to have love and have, be loved appropriately consciousness. And I mean, I have lists of those spiritual needs that are fears and we don't recognize that that's a real thing. And it only takes a few minutes and then a commitment to a lifelong um, commitment to not come from that fear and release that so that that level of victim consciousness is no longer present. And physical fears might be, you know, oh, um, if I don't eat fast enough, I may not get seconds. Okay, that's scarcity 101. That's lack consciousness. There's not enough food to go around. And it's also satiation consciousness. And I'm currently part of a group that's working to develop a major addiction uh, healing program with all of the tools that Ashley and I have created together through the Leap of Consciousness model. And satiation and, you know, acquiescence and compromise and restriction, these are all fear-based thoughts that put us into addiction models. And, you know, there's emotional ones, there's, there's relationship issues. People don't understand fully that we have to take other people's perspectives. Otherwise, we're creating arrogance. And then the other person might fear that we're being arrogant, not realizing that, oh my gosh, I forgot to take their perspective, you know? And then I put discord into the relationship. And it's, it's so easy to correct. It really is. Yeah, it's, it, it is, but it also takes a profound, uh, it takes a profound amount of self-awareness. And it also takes a profound amount of humbleness, right? Because I, I think self-aware, you first have to become humble because, you know, the pain that we've carried for so long is once we start unveiling the, the castle that we've built up around us, protect ourselves from being shamed or not being accepted. I mean, these are common things that everybody hears in, that, in the mindset fields, but it's a resonance, it's a frequency, it's a vibration that you become so one with what you want to create and what you love versus what you're trying to protect and, and to hide. And so, you know, it's, I always wanna tell people it's not your fault, right? It's like we're embedded into the system that tells you to be a certain way and especially as women. And I don't, I don't really like to use like the patriarchy jargon, but you know, there's a very, very deep and threaded fear of survival with women, right? How it's connected to men, how it's connected to the financial system. And I feel like just now we're starting to come as women into this new frontier of creators from our very, very own sovereign source. Whereas in the past, it was always connected to being overly service to somebody or prostituting ourselves in, in some way, fashion or, or form. So, you know, going to your evolution and the consciousness, you know, I just agree with everything that you said right there. And I'm so happy that you're moving into the addiction category, but I can also say that that applies to everybody. Everybody has everybody. an everybody. I mean, 
Look at how addicted we are to phones and our accounts. And, and, and part of it is we're running so much more in the information world. And then that creates its own addiction too, because then we have this need to know, but you said something very valuable about the ego. And I just want to share with everyone the number one fear. Well, it's a pairing and or a cluster and this is the starting point i really recommend for everyone and it's healing what i call make wrong there has been throughout history this structure that was designed to keep everyone in integrity and then if everybody was good then we wouldn't have to have fear right unfortunately they tied a punishment model to integrity So that if you were out of integrity, the punishment model would help you remember to get right back in it, okay? And then with that pain that you experienced, you would think twice about losing your integrity, okay? So with this, all these other fears became a part of society. We had perfectionism and the need to be right and I can't be wrong, which those are two different fears, but they're very similar. You just have to figure out which side you're on. But then we became hypervigilant to make wrong consciousness. And we started thinking that everyone was going to blame us for doing it wrong. And so we got into these, you know, horrific states of fear where we put up a wall. We um, fear that we're going to be corrected or told we're doing it wrong. The list is endless. So The starting point for everyone is just to say, okay, I acknowledge I have a conflict with make wrong consciousness and all the ways that I have been made wrong. I've made myself wrong, right? I've often told myself, I can't tell you how hard I was on myself because I learned perfectionism. It was a family thing. And so, and then I get to say, I release all of those ways in which make wrong was a part of my life i release that from my conscious awareness and then as i move into like self-judgments i get to say i release my self-judgment that i've made myself wrong more than anybody else has made me wrong and i let that go and then i look at the ways i was powerless and i i think oh yeah i can't believe i release that i can't believe that i was powerless to prevent my mom, my teachers, my coaches, um, my bosses, my colleagues, my coworkers, my teammates, my classmates from telling me I wanted to make wrong. And we realized the whole world is doing this. No wonder we think the world is, you know, hitting us in the face every day. But when we let go of make wrong and our ego says, oh, you mean I was participating in a in a distorted reality <laughs> and I was playing this game with everyone else that we had to be perfect. And if if we didn't, we either had to, you know, do make wrong to ourselves or, you know, participate in telling everybody else that they were doing make wrong. And it's really one of the hardest things to correct. I, I know because raising two kids and one super smart and one with down syndrome and autism it is challenging because i grew up with no no when you make it you have to make it this way so it became my way and i tried to superimpose that on my kids no no when you crack an egg you do it this way (laughs) my daughter with down syndrome has shown me you can crack eggs at least 12 different ways And I have to laugh because, you know, she hears me saying, don't crack the egg. And and I'll hear her just say it randomly out loud. She picked up the make wrong learning. So children, it doesn't matter whether they're neurotypical or not. They have learned the model of how to speak with make wrong. And so when we clear it in ourselves, we then become more aware of how we speak to others. And when we clean that up, oh my gosh, our relationships become even more ascended. They elevate to a whole new level where we can then say, okay, hey, this is not a make wrong, but I want to share with you that in order for that 
project to get passed off on by the boss, you're going to need to put blah, blah, blah into it. And can I help support you with that? Then the other person doesn't get defensive. Now there's no room for anyone to get triggered because we prefaced it with, this is not a make wrong. I just noticed something and I want to share with you so that it gets passed off on and you don't have to get triggered and punished or anything else, right? We can have more authentic ways to relate to people when we share instead of going, uh, you know, you did that wrong. <laughs> yeah. Because and checking where we're coming from, even when we're sharing. I mean, communication is so important. And we can even be seductive in the way that we share to get somebody to do what we want them to do. But if we're really open to allowing the other person and really having relationships for the purpose of evolving together and really having an intention to see your friends and your family evolve in their own way, shape, form, and timing, then we, we're, we're not detached and, and performing or dictating. We're really integrated and really in a place of neutrality to really open the communication lines. And they feel that neutrality. They don't feel the vindictiveness that's undercutting that, you know, that you may not have the intention, but you do have the intention. It goes back to, again, self-awareness. And I love where you went with that. And, and I also love where you went with language and how we speak, um, not only to others and ourselves. There's a, you know, I, I will say this, I really love the purple, uh, greenish shirt that you're wearing, Kenny. Oh, are you? It's, I, kind of a, it's a Merlot color. It looks right. Every single clinical hypnotherapy client, I always say, you know, if we're going to start a relationship here, the relationship doesn't start with you. It starts with you and you. And if they just are blindsided and are just like, thanks, it gives me a cue right away of how aware are they and how um, how we put ourselves under people. Right? So it's starting to catch everything that we are saying, what's also being said to us, so that we can let that guard dog down in our unconscious mind and let the goodness in, and to also protect ourselves from vindictiveness, even if it's not meant to be vindictive. So, you know, that, that consciousness awareness and the vibration of the words that we use to ourselves, because I can't, or I never, or um, I don't know, confuses your mind, literally, confuses the entire biofield yes. around you, literally, because when we speak, we are asking for the universe to be in coherence with us. And if we're continually confused ourselves and double-minded, then we're also confusing not only everybody around us, but for the universe to tap into and really cultivating as creators. So it's so important to be clear with oneself, the vibrational use of our words, as well as our relationship to others, because it is a pure reflection of our relationship and our beliefs of self. Two things. Number one, neutrality is underrated. Yes. Thank Number you. two, I was thinking I wanted to express it, and I realized, Annie, you're expressing it as need, that we need more people to model conscious relating. And then I realized, okay, it doesn't need to be expressed as, you know, lack, because that's like, it's a whole separate conversation in itself. But as we learn the language of conscious relating, and we move into um, clarity, because we've cleared our fears, and we've cleared our windshield of how we look at the world, we actually begin to organically and naturally come from our true nature of love and peace. And we choose our words from the heart and we begin to relate on such lovely, lovely levels. I love that so much. Yeah, we begin to relate on lovely levels. Just, it made me just do even like a quick chat, like just being here with you, like my intention my love for you, my love for the community that we're in, my love for those that hear this and beyond this, and that it's not to create more content, it's not to be smart, it's not to any of that. It's really to share. I was so excited to get to share relationship with you. You know, that's what excited me. So even the underlying intentions we're setting up our day, et cetera, not coming out of that fear and lack when we were talking about. And moving 
to kind of fear and lack. Um, there's no other subject than money to really um, create resistance in the field um, and also call us to a higher place. And, you know, I met you through the Quantum Stellar Initiative. Um, and maybe you can share a little bit about how you feel our financial future looks. Um, I'll start with my, my perception and, and what I've learned. Um, I'm in a mastermind and I started to get into all of this Web3 and crypto. And I want to preface with this less about crypto, but more about under networking of our financial future. And um, I relate to it like the three rings of consciousness where you know, we have our super conscious field, it's neutrality, it's creation field. We have our conscious mind, we have our subconscious. And so these three rings of reality. And when I say quantum stellar initiative, quantum stellar initiative is built on a framework of interoperability and uh, blockchain awareness for visibility and transparency. Yeah. Where we're moving into this next generation of wealth. And the way I think about it is also related to the three rings of consciousness where like the, the let's just call it like, I'm gonna go twist it a little bit, but like that first ring of like the subconscious was like web one, which was AOL. Like they owned all the systems, they told you how to work, they put information at you. And then we moved into web two, which is the conscious mind. Like, okay, we're starting to create our own Instagrams and starting to express our our unique nature to the world, but it's still a little bit tainted. People trying to be perfect in that selfie. And then that third ring of consciousness, that super conscious, is what I welcome in around QSI and the future of wealth because it is full interoperability, meaning there's full transparency on all people and the way that they, they choose to communicate with their money, each other, and create generational wealth that's not me-centric, but we-centric. So I would love to kind of hear your thoughts. I went to QSI and, you know, there's a big group of us now and where you see our future. Awesome. This is one of my favorite subjects too. And I think it's going to unify the world. And it has nothing to do with any of that other stuff that was like, you know, one currency for the whole world. This is quite the opposite. This is a unifying um, structure. And it really is a structure, a global structure. And it probably will be interstellar as we move to have um, exchanges off planet. Um, I mean, we have Elon Musk wanting to go to Mars and set up a colony there. And we have um, space stations. And we have all these other things. Well, the moment, and, and look, anything off planet could be an airplane where you're buying a drink uh, from your phone or a meal on an air, airline, right? Uh, even a movie. So what I'm getting at is, is that we have a system that's been built called the quantum financial system. It has been in the works for decades. The, I call these people terraformers. They're the ones that have these amazing mindsets that grapple with these massive concepts. And then they, they you know, bring them down into the planet and, you know, turn them loose. And so then we end up living inside the context of that system that they created. And so it was after working with Ashley for, um, I guess it's going on 10 years now, um, she and I, through a winding road of wanting to create spontaneous healing, we came into this realm of consciousness and we started recognizing, oh, you know, we have fear-based or challenges in our consciousness. And then we also have our gifted states. So this quantum financial system was being built by humans on this planet and off planet. And they were expressing their gifted state, but their fear-based states came in, in terms of writing these structures. I can give a very simple example. They're still using the Byzantine, um, the general of the Byzantine army had such a large army. He had to um, create this, it's like a conundrum, right? And, a, and I guess the law of averages. And so he would send out a message and he didn't know how many of his 
or the king, you know, would send it out. And he didn't know how many generals were going to uh, follow his orders. Okay. So he knew he needed um, a, a way to figure this out. And so inside of digital assets, there's this Byzantine agreement. And it's like, well, both people can be trusted. And then you have one person cannot be trusted and one can. And then you have both people who cannot be trusted, right? So it's kind of like tossing coins. And so you have to create what's called consensus. And us centrism or we centrism is really based on heart centered consensus. So a very simple example of this is Cassie, you and I had to say, oh, would we like to do this together? Why, yes, we would. It would benefit both of our communities hugely. And then we looked at our calendars and we came into consensus and we said, yeah, let's do this on, on a Sunday afternoon. That works great for both of us. And it, and it works great for my family because my husband's home. So it worked for him. And so when all of these perspectives of relating are taken into account and it's good for everyone and no one is left out, then we're in consensus. But if there was a problem with any one of those, then we have to kind of come together again and figure out how can it be good for everyone? So I was interested in, I had kind of had this, I, I guess you could call it, I received a remote transmission. Lovely. <laughs> a, a download. Yeah. And I kept hearing the phrase quantum financial system. And so I started to check in using my family constellation methodology, which is um, we use representatives for things. Then, then we interview the representative and they tune into what's called the knowing field. And so I love to tell people um, that I can turn a whole group of people into psychics while I'm working with them inside the knowing field. And, um, and, it, and it's true because we all, through conscious intention, can tune in and ask questions with our inner guidance and determine what the reality is. So I started to check in on it. And at first I went with working with some colleagues just to determine, is this a real thing? And it was. And then did it need help? And it did. And how many developers were there? Were there factions vying for control? Because when you look at a global system and, and it needs to be equitable and it needs to be inside a centrism, that means it's gotta be good for everybody. It can't just be a small group of people benefit and then maybe there's some that could figure out how to benefit. And then there's a whole group of people left out. You cannot imagine my excitement when I heard about Stellar Networks and the ways in which it was to be for everybody, including the unbanked. And I was so excited. So then through the process of just trusting my inner guidance, and I, I found myself in becoming an investor, and I literally realized at about the same time that the QSI leader, Emily Tang, said, oh, you know, it's our consciousness that's working our phones, which is what you brought up earlier, which is Web 3.0. So a quantum system works like this. And the simplest explanation is that your thoughts and your feelings create brainwave patterns. And those brainwave patterns go out on the quantum level and they, they touch atomic structures like your phone. And so people may already be noticing how quantum things are because their energy field is causing distortions on Zoom. Their energy, when they change it too quickly or they get revved up about something, they shut their phone call down. Um, I got to the point where I was doing this thing where I was showing people like, oh yeah, um, I just kind of moved my hand over my phone and the whole thing shut off. And then I just saw on Twitter last night that there is quantum uh, technology where you don't need anything. You can just go like this and the volume on a watch or a phone will turn up. You can go like this and it works like a slider. So your, your conscious mind is interacting on the brainwave level. That's how sensitive the equipment is. So I started thinking like, uh-oh, Houston, we may have a problem. 
if like 8 billion people with all their consciousness challenges, and that's fear states, are bringing it into the, their phone or their browser window that they're working with, then they're putting their fear into the system, not recognizing that they're creating problems inside the new money. And it's not to say that you don't bring your giftedness because you do, but your fear, your stress, FOMO, fear of missing out, FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, um, all of those types of fears end up creating um, connections. They energetically, like light particles from your brain waves, go into those systems and structures. And they literally create traffic jams. Yep, it's yep. the same in our physical bodies. Yep. If we have an injury to our arm, you know, we might grab our arm to try and stop the energy flow to our brain because our brain has a nervous system connected to it and it goes down through the arm. And let's say you actually just cut your finger while you're distracted in the kitchen. Okay. So in simple terms, the opening in the skin, which would be the integumentary system would notify the brain through the nervous system it would go up in and say alert there's an opening in the skin and the brain would say okay cardiovascular system uh immune system go do your thing and it would try to send the the message down through the nervous system to go right to that area at no time is there actual pain in the finger what causes pain is judgments. If you have a self-judgment like, oh, God, I can't believe I just cut myself. It burns. Why? Self-judgments burn. They burn us. If we believe someone did it to us, look what you made me do. Then we judge them for what we're experiencing. And now um, we have conflict and discordant energies between us. And then the finger takes the hit. So the storage point for the energies is in the little cut. So many people get paper cuts that they don't, they're not even aware of until they cut a lemon. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. You're like, what? Where, when did I get that? And so, um, you know, the point I'm making is, is that when we like go out and we shut down the energy in our body, we stop the flow of, of our nervous system having access because we like go oh and we try to stop ourselves from feeling it and we create blocks yeah. so the same is true in the quantum system so i've been working with as you know which is how we met um running these programs to support people in releasing fears specific to working with money specific to working with technology specific to loss fear of loss fear of being scammed fear of being hacked these are all modern fears. I mean, did they a couple hundred years ago have fear of being hacked? I don't think so. But scammed, sure. Fear of being conned, taken advantage of, etc. So this system, anything quantum is going to bring out your fears. And what a gift, right? Because now you can say, oh my gosh, I'm being so cute. I just went into fear of missing out that I would not get the token when everyone was rushing to go get it at floor price, which is the cheapest price you can get a token. And so we react and, and reactive mind consciousness is a thing. Reactive emotion consciousness is a thing. And when we heal those particular consciousness challenges, we no longer give away our energies. And then we're calm, we're centered, and we have our inner guidance working, guiding us, saying, it's okay, you have time, this is not going live. Oh, yeah, I don't feel that it's gone live yet. So then I, now I can go buy my tokens and, and ex do this all through peace. And the, the proof is that people who were locked out of their wallets, when they conflict resolve, which is the process that I teach people, um, when you conflict resolve, fear of being locked out, suddenly the wallet opens. Yep. Uh, when you conflict resolve, fear of loss, suddenly 
you don't rush to sell the tokens out of fear that it was a scam token. And you actually sit back and go, is it really that? Or am I just doing a knee-jerk reaction? And so here are tools that you know we can use to support ourselves going into this new era. And I, I believe it was one of these big magazines that says we've entered the quantum era. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, even the mechanics of it, you know, quantum computing, when, when we understand blockchain and what we're doing is we're moving huge amounts of information at one time, it resolves it. And it, I should say it solves a lot of issues. And, you know, I, I was on a podcast uh, with a company called Unidu a few weeks ago, you know, and I asked him, I said, you know, with Unidu, um, you know, what is the number one problem that you solve globally? Right, because we understand in, in, as an Aussie or as a U.S., you know, this is a big thing. And I directly went to what he was saying on something that I experienced in another blockchain community of watching a Nigerian man on a Zoom screen. Number one, we have connection to someone in Nigeria. Number two, that the Unidu, the multi-sig wallet allowed Nigerians to bypass the toxic government structures to be able to start to create their own chains of financial abundance. And so, you know, we, we say that it's a $13 trillion, hugest transference of wealth that's going on right now that many are not aware of. That's fine. But where really it's felt is in the underserved communities that are now able to create their own streams of consciousness. And what they were resolving was being able to set up their own financial ecosystem for the young to be able to create their own um, water solutions. So they were creating their own, solving their own problem, creating their own financial system to paying the young to be able to think and restream uh, how they get water effectively in their community. So to me, that's a really incredible example of quantum consciousness and how it's moving into blockchain. And people are very fearful of it um, because of you know the deep state or where it may have originated and the big brother. But this is why I so deeply believe in your work and so on this train because it's part of my work as well, is how do we, you know, there's no on button, off button. It is, I know for myself, when I got into a blockchain community, I was fudding all over the place. And my FOMO kept me up at night because I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get left behind. And it, it triggered my past fear of enoughness, you know? Mm -hmm. So I had to evolve through that experience. And I think everybody entering in this different way of quantum and financial systems and blockchain and starting to learn about how smart this really is and how this is a path to our future that we get to then come back in and own our economies. We get to create our own economies. I know the seed coin and the growth guild is just that. Those that hold a seed coin are part of the bigger movement of global consciousness and how we resolve entrepreneurial trauma so that we can really create and feel nourished by our businesses and feel nourished in the process of creating versus creating out of lack or victim consciousness. So it is a process of evolution in where we're going with wealth, but what you're doing with the consciousness challenge is such a fundamental piece that I think everybody can join and really start to understand what you're talking about. And it's, it's deep. I mean, each email, I just, I look at it in the morning, I look at it at night. And, and so they're so great. And so maybe Annie, you can talk a little bit as we start to yeah. talk about the um, leap of consciousness and the consciousness challenge and uh, what you have to offer our guests today. Thank you. It is an amazing gift because it is a self-healing system. And I remember years ago, I had like, you know, draw a card and read it for inspiration to create a new fresh idea for how to heal something. And that was part of what inspired me to create a system that could be quantum. In other words, you with your inner guidance could tune in and you know just go in and, and ask, okay, with regards to my problem with X, 
um, what number in this healing system do I need to look at? And so I might hear the number 28. And I might hear the number 42 or 44. So I can go open my email and, and open up email number 28 and look and see what the consciousness challenge is inside that email. And what I'm referring to is called the Conscious Choice Challenge 101. So Ashley and I, we were going through all of these spheres and we said, you know what? People would really benefit hugely from a random selection of these common fears inside humanity to familiarize oneself with what it is we're we're sharing because when we realize that we can take an adjective and put the word consciousness after it now we can conflict resolve whatever is before us so if we see shenanigans and there's kids up to no good we can say i acknowledge i have a conflict with shenanigans consciousness and all the ways that People don't think of others and their property and the time, energy, and resources that go into it. And I release that judgment from my consciousness. What we're doing here is we're clearing the judgment so we can divine witness and see the light in the ones doing the shenanigans so that we can remind them generously from love, please stand in your true nature of love. Please choose to not to choose to do something other than boredom consciousness. Because boredom consciousness will keep coming up until we decide we're done with boredom and we heal it. And I love to say the most intelligent people in the world are never, ever bored. Mm -hmm. So with this system, you get 101 emails delivered to your inbox. And I recommend you just make a folder and move them into the folder. And um, you don't have to open them every day. Um, a lot of people are doing it because they have this um, desire to learn it as fast as possible because they have time on their side. We know that when our wallets become transactable, we're moving into what I call our vocation activations. We're moving into humanitarian projects and this 21st century philanthropy and um, being able to help people to raise up humanity. And so we're looking at what do we need to do today what can I be doing today to make myself ready to give myself the most optimal ways of relating? And it's about removing fears and really, truly looking at what is in my um, unconscious mind. So we get conscious with our unconscious thoughts. And there's a five-step process where we acknowledge the conflict. Then we release judgments from all angles and all levels. And we just simply forgive any discord that's left over. And that's like one sentence because we've come to realize that, you know, forgiveness is only necessary if there's still judgments. Mm -hmm. So we release all the judgments that we can find first. And then we proclaim ourselves free, sovereign from the whole conflict. And then we shine the light of truth to our physical body to let it know I'm all done. I am so done with that conflict on all the levels because I've just emptied my cup of all the judgments I had about myself being powerless or disconnected from my inner guidance that I didn't listen to. Um, and the judgments that I have about the people around me or life circumstances. I mean, look at COVID life circumstances. Everyone had a problem with, I don't care how ascended they were. And it was so challenging to be uh, told you had to wear a mask. You had to be in lockdown. You had to get a jab. You had to stay six feet apart. I mean, those were all dualistic concepts that kept us in fear and judging our closest, most beloved family members and friends. And so we have to undo all that fear. We have to now unify and heal the separation. And this system is rather gorgeous for helping do that. So in it, in the emails, we layer your learning and your knowledge so that you get to learn about the five perspectives of relating, which are all me-centric, right? Me to myself, how I share judgments with myself and my giftedness. Me to you, how I speak to you, Cassie. And then perspective three is you to me, how you, Cassie, speak to me. And I love to demonstrate this by saying, you know, if I had a quiver of arrows on my back 
and they were loaded with judgments. What judgment did I pull out and put in my bow and arrow and fire off, right? To you saying, you didn't take my perspective. <laughs> and so then, you know, we have this thing I call repugnance. When an arrow of judgment gets thrown at us, we, we go, ew, that's not me. My true nature is love. Don't judge me. And we're so sensitive to judgment and the frequencies that come in that we don't know what to do. And this stuff clears all of that. And so then we have me to the world, which is a collective of two or more. And then the world to me, how people are always telling me. Blah, 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 blah. And so um, we get to clear these perspectives of relating. And what, what happens is gorgeous because it resets us to peace. And so that whole system and, and 101 samples um, are in those emails. And it's at leapofconsciousness.com. And while you're there, there's also a little ebook called Empowering Your Leap of Consciousness. And there's 21 empowerments. And these are beautiful energies that when you're done with your conflict and you're clear of your victim consciousness, your, your fear-based states, now you get to go into your gifted state. And so these are empowerments. What if... Okay, one of mine is venerator consciousness. I have the gift of being able to see the light inside people and amplify it. And it's like being a cheerleader almost, right? I, I see all the good in you. And then I, I you know, I elevate that. And so, it, so it's very supportive. So I get to embody that. I get to breathe it in. I get to connect to the love that I am and I get to, you know, bring up that energy and bring it into the relating and then everyone benefits. And so this planet will be so amazing when everyone is remembering to come from their true nature of love, be in their gifted state and relating from their giftedness. And if, yeah, because what do we do when we're like in stress and uh, triggered or freak out, right? And what do we do with children? We move them into their gifted state to get them centered and happy again. So, you know, that's the easy thing to do is like immediately get back into your gifted state instead of wallowing in your triggered state. What makes you gifted? Go there. That's a great starting point. So those two gifts are there. And if anyone would like more help that's deeper. Ashley and I do Wednesday night meditations where you can sign up for 12 weeks. And Ashley and I are both quantum energy healers. So the three of us, Ashley and I and yourself meditating would be holding space together for your the life that you intend. And we do the heavy lifting. We help clear consciousness challenges so that you can be more in your gifted state. And that's a 12-week program, and it comes with a little email on Tuesday with a video to watch so that you understand the context of the meditation. And they're active meditations for the most part, because we tell people, look, close your eyes, eliminate distractions. You don't need any technology, because we're not doing this over Zoom or a phone or anything. It's you lying down or in a chair, very comfortable. And then you go play. You play with the energy packet that we create for you that's in you, that's in your true divine heart of love. And then you listen to your inner guidance and you, you go with the flow. And so it's an active meditation. And people have been creating miracles and healing their bodies, healing relationships, um, increasing their salaries. I mean, it's just really amazing. I, one woman who was totally underpaid got offered this massive, massive, massive opportunity with, I mean, we're talking going from three figures to like seven figures wow. because we cleared yeah. the, the conflicts of not being valued yeah. and so, it opened up the world. Yeah. Annie, it's just the work that you're doing is incredible. It's just incredible. And I look forward to working together in the future, both in the field and whatever brings our way. And you know, for everybody here, definitely the show notes will be 
left for you. And we so appreciate your time listening here, whether you're live, you're listening to the recording. Remember, outside of time and space, we are together right now, wherever you are. So all my love, all my light to you, Miss Annie. And, um, oh, and to you and to you, the listener. Blessings. Yes. All right, my friends, remember to plant the seeds of your success consciously, intentionally, and with all the energy alignment you can possibly integrate at that point in time. All my love, all my light, and we'll see you on the next one.